We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash lawless. Just go to Indeed.com slash lawless right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed com slash lawless. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Sunshine, I'm Alexi Lalas, and welcome to the State of the Union podcast. We look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue colored glasses. Joining me as always, my friend, my colleague, my guiding light, David Mossy, a soccer savant and a Fox soccer researcher and writer extraordinaire. Mossy, uh, before, uh, before we uh, have a discussion here, uh, I just want to uh, fix something. Um, and, and I'm so sorry that I forgot to do this a couple years ago, so I'm going to do it now. I want to congratulate our friends to the Great White North on winning the gold medal in the Olympics. Wonderful, wonderful achievement. I can't believe I let that go, and uh, congratulations to that. With that, let's get back into uh, the World Cup here. Uh, Mossy, where should we start? Uh, Well, why don't we start with Canada's capitulation, because that congratulations of yours felt a tad snarky. A tad? Yes. (laughs) Listen, from the moment that I landed here in Australia, all I heard was, you know... These are the uh, gold medal winning uh, champions here. This is Canada. They're coming off success at the uh, Olympics. They're going to parlay it into uh, a World Cup. And yet, as we sit here today, and at the moment it is uh, look almost 11 o'clock here at night, Canada is going home. They are out of the World Cup. They could not even secure a point against hosts Australia. And uh, this, uh, I think there will be, there, this will be looked at as undoubtedly a failure. I don't think that when we both saw the draw and we're talking about this forehand, that we thought that the Australia-Canada game was going to be anything more than a kind of kumbaya moment, everybody coming together. I don't think we saw this as being this important of a game. Now, ultimately, Australia, congratulations, Australia, all of our crew here that is Australian, everybody's going crazy, and rightfully so, and I'm very, very happy that the hosts are continuing on. They did it at the expense of Canada, and they did it in fine fashion. It was comprehensive from start to finish. There was only one team on the field, Karina LeBlanc, a great Canadian. Uh, The only solace that, that she had was that had it been close, it probably would have been much more painful. At a certain point, before it even ended 4 nothing. at a certain point, she just turned and said, you know what? 
we are not even in this game, and so therefore it hurts a little bit less. Um, where do you want to start here uh, in terms of the performance from Australia? Very impressive. Uh, we lost New Zealand, but we get the better of the co-hosts, frankly, that might actually go on a run here. They advance as group winners. They're going to face the Group D runner-up, which I think is going to be Denmark, a highly winnable game for Australia. That would put them in the quarterfinals, and all of a sudden they might have something going here. And it's interesting that they did this without Sam Kerr. She teased us today with the possibility of coming back, was an unused substitute, which means another few days of rest for her. And if she comes back, we're going to go for the knockout stage. Look out for the Matildas. Can we all agree that Sam Kerr was just a decoy tonight, that there was no way that she was playing, even if they had gotten into dire straits? She did not warm up. She did nothing that looked remotely physical, let alone soccer-wise, uh, to indicate that she was going to have any uh, part. But... In that decoy capacity, she was there as a constant re reminder that one of the greatest goal scorers in the world was waiting in the wings. And so there was motivation for her own teammates to see, hey, this leader is still among us. Or if it was planting that seed, either way, it worked. And to your point, it couldn't have worked out better because she gets a couple more days rest. They didn't ultimately need her tonight. As a matter of fact, they looked wonderful tonight. Not that she is in any danger of getting Wally pipped, but this was a, also a good thing to kind of, in this moment when Australia needed to step up, they did, and they did it without Sam Kerr. Yeah, this is not an Ada Hegerberg situation no. where there are legitimate questions as to whether Norway is a better team without her. Uh, it's important for Australia that they prove they're not a one-player team, but nevertheless, they do hope to get her back eventually because they're clearly a better team with Sam Kerr in the lineup. Uh, the other game in this group, Nigeria 0, Ireland 0. Nigeria, all they needed was a point. Uh, they got their point, and they go through. Congratulations to Nigeria. They uh, finished second in the, uh, in the group. Now, there were permutations that could have had both Canada and Australia going through, but that would have meant that Canada actually would have had to show up and pl actually play the game and, uh, and uh, score some goals and do some things. And it also needed Ireland on the other side to, uh, to find, a way, find a way in. So Ireland goes home. Nigeria goes on. Australia goes on, and Canada, uh, Canada goes home. Do we think the Irish fans will stick around? I think so. I mean, there's you know, still drinks and parties to be had. So, <laughs> And just to put a ribbon on Canada, this is another blow to Canadian soccer. We've talked about the financial issues with the Federation. The men's team seems to have lost some momentum. And now the women as well go out in the group stage of a World Cup. Uh, so disappointing all the way around for them. Uh, you know, it didn't. It didn't deter Nigeria. It didn't deter other teams that are having problems. Well, you've really got some issues I'm with not, Canada right I'm now. Not, I don't have issues with them. I'm disappointed. I, you know, if, if, if this is a team that is so good and that they won the gold uh, medal, then I would have expected them at the very least to get out of the group. Do you feel silly for allowing Karina LeBlanc to talk you into including them no. in your power rankings? No, no, no. no. I think that, uh, you know, like I said, I, I'm a man of the people, Mossy. I, you know, and like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm charitable. I can be human and I can be swayed. And she, she swayed me with a very you know, powerful, and, um, powerful plea and uh, you know, the way that she talked about her team. Uh, that, 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 I think that deserved number 10. But they're quickly out and they were, they were gone. I, I mean, I didn't even wait till the end of the game to get them out of the top 10. I'm not you know, you know, divulging any secrets when it comes to my power rankings. Guess what? Canada's not going to be in them. Although... Colombia will be in, and we'll announce them tomorrow. Uh, Colombia will be in. It's just where would you put Colombia after that incredible result that they had? Where would they fall after beating Germany? Where would they fall now in that top 10? That's going to be interesting. And, uh, and, and we'll get to it. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I mean, th th we'll use it to segue to uh, Group C. I don't think there's any question which team right now is number one in your power rankings. You don't think there's any question? Has to be Japan, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, yeah, I'm buying Japan. And keep in mind, this was one against two, Spain against Japan. And again, um, this was not a game. Japan, it wasn't, it wasn't a smash and grab by any stretch of the imagination because <laughs> Japan just kept doing the exact same thing over and over and over again. And it was successful over and over and over again. This was, this was a, a brilliant lesson in how to counterattack with ruthlessness and efficiency. And they scored and they kept scoring. And Spain, now tell me this, Mossy. There was a point after the Spain game, and for those that didn't watch, um, Japan won 4-0. It probably could have been more. Spain was not even in this game the entire time. And this is a Spanish team, like I said, number one in the power rankings for a lot of people, believing that this is a team that can win the World Cup. They weren't quite ready for primetime the last cycle. Now, you know, they've gotten better. So this was a shock to the system. But after the game, when they put up the brackets and where Spain uh, showed up, as opposed to where they could have shown up had they won the group and where Japan showed up, there was a part of me that said, it's not the worst thing in the world that they have to play against um, uh, Switzerland. You know, Switzerland. Yeah, no, they, by finishing second in Group C, Spain actually got the easier round of 16 matchup against Switzerland. Japan will face Norway. However, if the U.S. wins Group E, then Spain are now on a collision course to face the U.S. in the quarterfinals. So that's where they would rue finishing second in Group C. Yeah, I'm, I'm not suggesting that they went out and lost this game. But the way that it all looked ultimately... I can put myself in the position of Spain and say, eh, it was one of those days. Just didn't go right, but we ended up actually uh, in the round of 16 coming up against a team that we can certainly beat that we know. And this Norway team, I don't think we quite know what they are yet. And so they are a wild card type of, uh, type of situation. But Japan, to your point, they, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's going to be hard for me to keep them out of the number one spot tomorrow. It's interesting because they went out in the round of 16 of the last World Cup. Some of their senior results in recent years have seemed to indicate that they were a spent force in the women's game. But they did get to the final of the last two under-20 World Cups face Spain, ironically enough. And both those finals, won one lost the other. A lot of those players have graduated to the senior team. So perhaps we should have seen this coming because there is some exciting young talent on this roster. Uh, Miyazawa with two goals. She's now atop the golden boot race. Tanaka rounded out the scoring with a sensational goal, which... Uh, cracked my top 10, which we're going to it, unveil it's almost, It was almost a mirror of Caicedo in uh, on the other side. So she came into her left as opposed to Caicedo coming into her, her right and then just put it like smack dab up in the corner. Very beautiful. Incidentally, on one of our pregame shows tomorrow, we are going to unveil this top 10 list of best goals of the tournament so far. It's going to be framed as David Mossy's list. And 90% of it was, but I did get bullied into a couple of selections I didn't love. So... I want to get that out there in the first place. I, I, there, there's some recency bias regarding that Colombia-Germany game. Uh, did, did you think that uh, Colombia game-winning header was that unbelievable? No, she just stood there. Villegas uh, just stood there and somehow had, had Joel, the ball in. <laughs> Nobody I, was marking her. And... I didn't have that in my top ten. Joel Santos thought it was a crime against humanity, so he made me put that in there. Really? Yes. Well, I mean, I do think that when you're doing top ten lists, uh, obviously it's personal and subjective, right? But the, the circumstances that a goal is scored, they can uh, make things look better. So it's not just the actual play. It's not just the actual skill. It's not just the actual, uh, you know, where the ball is put, all of that. It is the circumstances 
that are surrounding the goal. And in that moment, that goal was the, you know, was the moment that sealed one of the great no, World I'll Cup wins. I'll grant you this. It's the most dramatic goal okay, of yeah. the tournament so okay. far. But that's not the name of this, uh, this segment. But you're, it's being branded David Mossy? I, I imagine on air it's going to be presented Ooh, as a list boy, I came up with. Look at you. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be fun. I can't, yeah. wait, uh, I can't wait to see that. Uh, okay, let's see. Zambia and Costa Rica had no significance relative to either of these teams coming out of the group because they were already out. But it does have significance in terms of being the first win for Zambia. And within the game, the 1,000th goal scored at the Women's World Cup. Arbabanda uh, ends up scoring a penalty kick. We were taking bets and going back and forth as to who it was going to be. So a bit of history, both for Zambia as a nation and for Barabanda relative to the women's game. And Zambia, the lowest-ranked team ever to take part in the Women's World Cup, number 77. They go out in the group stage, but they do have a win to show for it, so pretty nice for them. All right, let's spin this to uh, tomorrow. We're going to head back here and uh, get some sleep and rev it up for yet another U.S. game day, which means we have two-hour pregames and we'll have all sorts of stuff. Now, I recognize that this game is coming at a less than ideal time for most of America in the, uh, in the, in the late hours. And we tried everything that we could. We got the first two games in prime time, so I think that that was a win. But this, uh, this game uh, is going to be late. So if you're staying up, great. If you're getting up, great. Um, if you're joining us, it's going to be, I think, a fun game and a fun uh, experience to be up late and to be watching this, uh, watching this team. But I get it. It's, uh, it's going to be difficult. All right, what do we expect, Mossy, from this U.S.-Portugal game? Uh, I've been saying it. Uh, this is a real game. It's not a pick-your-score match. Uh, Portugal is a proper team. Uh, they played England in England right before this World Cup, drew 0-0. They played the Netherlands at the Euros last year, only lost 3-2. They faced the U.S. two years ago right before the Olympics, only lost 1-0. So I expect the U.S. to win, to advance. They are the better team. But I do think people need to have their guard up a little bit. I do not think this is a walk in the park, 5 or 6 nil, only worrying about goal difference scenario. I mean, I, I'm not sure it's 5 or 6 nil type of situation, but I, I am much more confident and positive that this is going to be a fait accompli and not an easy win. But, mostly the U.S. is the number one team in the world, okay? The U.S. has incredible depth. And all this BS about what the lineup's going to be, look, if the, if the, whatever 11 the U.S. puts on the field, it is enough to beat Portugal. It is enough to beat Portugal handedly, all right? Whether Vladko makes changes or not it is really irrelevant. And I know there's angst right now because the reality is, Mossy, we could be sitting in these seats, knock on wood that this doesn't happen. We could be sitting in these seats tomorrow and the U.S. could be out of the World Cup. If that happens, we might be back well, in actually, L.A. doing our next podcast. We might not be in these seats. Absolutely. That could pose problems for our, uh, for our production here. But I don't think that that's going to be uh, a problem. I think that Vladko and Donosky and company are going to come out and get the job done. I think they're going to get a job, uh, the job done in the first half. I think so if they want to make changes in the second half, I think it's going to be a much uh, an easy type uh, of win. Maybe not the five and six that, uh, that people are talking about, but an easy uh, and convenient type of win. From a lineup perspective, yeah. uh, I do expect to see Rose Lavelle in there. That's it sounds logical. like she's fit enough to start, so she would come in for DeMello. 
Uh, my question would be that front three, do you tinker with it at all? Does uh, Alyssa Thompson and Lynn Williams get in there for somebody? Well, I mean, the Lynn Williams thing is interesting because when Vladko was under, you know, criticism and critique for not making any substitutions, he very quickly said, yeah, we were thinking about Lynn Williams. So obviously he has her front of mind relative to coming off the bench, which he can certainly uh, continue to do. I, and I, I think that the vodka is going to use substitutions uh, this game, not because we're yelling and screaming about it, just because I think that's what the game is going to call for. The question would be, does he change any of the front three? And I don't think he changes anything. I think he just continues on with, uh, with what, what got him there. He obviously believes that that is his best 11. And again, this whole thing about platooning and resting and refreshing players and all this kind of crap. No, you you go out there and you win the game. And like I said, do what you need to do in terms of that starting 11 to put the best 11 that you think can win the game and win it in the first half. And then you can make some changes. Our colleague, Carly Lloyd, has been very outspoken the last couple of days. She thinks Alex Morgan should be dropped. Sophia Smith should play as a center forward. And then Lynn Williams comes in on that wing. What do you make of that? Uh, well, first off, I got a lot of respect for Carly Lloyd in this situation. You know, still relatively new to television and coming off playing, you know, because this is a, you know, th this is a sacred cow. This is Alex Morgan, all right? And this is, and this isn't her saying that Alex Morgan sucks. This isn't her saying that Alex Morgan doesn't deserve to be there. But Carly Lloyd recognizes and has recognized that her job in television is to give her opinion. And some of these opinions people will like, and some of them they won't. Welcome to television, people. Uh, and the sooner that she realizes that, the better off she is. And I'm glad that she has realized that. And it's not about making friends, all right? Because if people get pissed off because you're giving your honest opinion about what's going on, that's, uh, that's their problem. But behind Carly's uh, statement and opinion, ultimately a, a take about something here, is that she believes that well, Alex Morganson can certainly be effective. What she's being asked to do right now is not what she's necessarily good at, especially when it comes to high pressing and doing that, uh, that type of stuff. And she's coming back deep and trying to get the ball and almost playing false 90 at, uh, at, different, uh, at different times. So what, what Carly Lloyd would like to see is Sophia Smith goes in, and then obviously she would come out from one of those winger type of positions, and you have to put somebody in. I would think she would put like Lynn Williams or something like that. I don't see Vladko Andonovsky doing that and doing that in this game. Who knows, maybe in the future that's something that he would want to do. But it does, it is an interesting little twist on what happens because, you know, Alex Morgan is Alex Morgan. And that would be a big call for a big player and a big personality to yank her out and put her on the bench. And the U.S.'s side of the bracket is starting to take shape, assuming the U.S. advances. Uh, the uh, two matchups we mentioned, uh, Japan against Norway, Switzerland, Spain, those are teams on that side of the bracket. We know the U.S. is going to face a Group G opponent. I imagine it's going to be either Sweden or Italy. Uh, so you kind of start to see the contours of what the path would be to the final. And it's not too bad. I, I, I think, you know, it's I, I, I've been very high on Spain, but I'm still trying to process what I watched today. <laughs> um, so, you know, maybe I, I got too caught up. I was having orgasms earlier in this tournament. Right. With their play, I know. But, we, we talked all about your uh, orgasms. Uh, um, so so uh, that pathway can be defined also by the other game, which is the Netherlands versus Vietnam. 
I think the Netherlands is going to drop a bunch of goals against Vietnam. And so that goal differential that we've talked so much about since the start of this tournament is going to come into play. It was interesting, uh, our Jenny Taft was reporting from uh, the U.S. camp, and she had talked to Black Landonoski, uh, and she, actually she had talked to Megan Rapino, and Megan Rapino had said, it's not just about winning this game. We want to win and we want to score a bunch of goals. So it's already in their head. Now, you, I know you don't think it's going to be the, the cakewalk that maybe I do and others uh, think it's going to be. But that the U.S. is already thinking about it's not just enough about winning. We're actually going to score a bunch of goals. I actually kind of like that. Um, and, and I like that they recognize that if they're going to finish first in the group, they have to go out there and score and keep scoring. I agree with you on the Netherlands. I haven't been overly impressed with their attack, but... The more I think about it, that Netherlands-Vietnam game is giving me Norway-Philippines vibes. I could see it being something similar to that, 5 or 6 nil for them. Vietnam already eliminated, nothing to play for. So, yeah, I think the Dutch could really fill it up there. All right, other group and other games tomorrow. Can I, can I just say something yeah, sure. before we move on? I do want to clarify something. Oh, okay, here we go. Uh, whenever we uh, say the Dutch, we are referring to the Netherlands. Now, you might be thinking, Mossy, who the heck doesn't know that? We have identified somebody who doesn't know that back in Los Angeles who was absolutely flummoxed by our use of the term Dutch in one of our recent podcasts. It is the same person, by the way, who does not find Hervé Renard good-looking. So just to give you an idea of who we're dealing with. So what would this person have us do, then, in terms of the way that we refer to that I country guess over there? always say the Netherlands. It can be confusing when you start using different names. So... They are not Dutch people? Listen, we'll, we'll have to discuss this with her when we get back. But uh, How is it we're, we're halfway into the tournament and we're figuring this out now? Oh, my goodness. I'm, we're not changing midstream. That's not happening. Uh, okay, uh, Group D. Uh, Group D is also in play here. China versus England and Haiti versus Denmark. Um, I mean, I don't see a whole lot of problems for England, although they've just won, they've won both of their games 1-0, uh, right? Correct. The Kira Walsh situation is shrouded in some secrecy. It's not an ACL. Right. They're not saying she's definitely out of the tournament, but they're not saying she's going to be back. So, I don't know. We're going to, I guess, take it game to game. She didn't travel for this one. She's definitely out for uh, this last group game. I don't believe anybody anymore. So, I mean, I don't believe anything that coaches say. I don't believe anything that players say or teams say. Assuming she's out for the rest of the tournament, which, looking at that injury, I mean, it's hard to believe that she would come back. Uh, I do think, I know you talked about this with Jimmy Conrad in the podcast I miss. I do think it's one injury too many for England. They'll, they'll get through this group, but I cannot see them winning this World Cup anymore and missing all these players. It's a shame because I think had they been healthy, they would have been a prime contender. But, I mean, you're taking out Leah Williamson, Kira Walsh, Beth Mead, Fran Kirby. It's just too much. Uh, I don't think there's enough left there. All right, so you think England beats China. Uh, do you think uh, Haiti and Denmark, what do you got on that? Because Haiti's still in play here. Yeah, Denmark moves on. Okay, Denmark moves on. Uh, I'm going to go with Haiti. I'm going to go with Haiti with an upset there. Okay? Uh, Haiti advances with a win and well, a China loss. So if, so if England were to beat China and then Haiti were to beat Denmark, then Haiti would go through, right? Yeah, so if, if England win the group and Haiti finish second, that's what you're projecting, right? Yeah. Then it's England, Nigeria, Australia, Haiti in the round of 60. Ooh, interesting, interesting, interesting. Uh, anything else stick out with you, uh, to you uh, in terms of what happened today or what's going to happen tomorrow? Oh, just a, a general point I want to make. Okay. I mentioned this on one of our earlier pods, that if you went through each of the groups and identified what the best game was, in none of the groups did we get that best game in the first set of matches. So that's why this tournament felt like a little bit of a slow burn. But now we're getting the two best teams in 
groups actually squaring off, and that's leading to some very exciting games, France-Brazil, USA-Netherlands, Germany-Colombia. So all of a sudden, it does feel like this tournament is gaining steam. Uh, I, uh, I was out last night, and uh, the Colombians were out in force. And we saw it in the Colombia game. Uh, they, were, they packed the stadium. They made the atmosphere. They made the game. Let's be honest. That, I mean, sometimes we talk about fans and what they can or cannot do. In, in this case, they made it a World Cup game. And absolutely, I think that they had an impact in that stadium. And then they were out partying, as you know, they should because of this incredible victory. It was fun to see them, uh, see them out there. We need more of these types of games. Uh, we need more of these types of environments that, as I, as I said last night, are... World Cup games, and you can smell it and you can taste it. And uh, going forward, I think we're going to see some more. It's good, as I said, that Australia continues on. Uh, that's, unfortunately, we have to say goodbye to our friends, uh, uh, Canada. But that's, that's the way it goes. Anything before we go? That's it. All right, listen, keep reviewing and writing and subscribing and rating and doing all the different things that you do. We will talk to you again tomorrow and each and every day as we do. Thanks again to State Farm for presenting this. And until then, and as always, my friends, size the day.